Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Never before in the history of sports podcasts have two men brought you opinion and analysis like these two. They speak for a city that's desperate for wins and titles, not whining and travesty. You might not agree with what they have to say, but you'll defend their right to say it. Sports fans across the world, from Chicago, Illinois, this is The Mac and Reed Show. Hello, everybody. Welcome into another edition of the Mac and Reed Show right here on the Barroom Network. I'm Evan Mack, joined, as always, by Ross Reed. We are streaming live on the Barroom Network platform. But if you've missed any of our shows before, check them out on YouTube, the audio versions on Spotify, iTunes, Podbean. You can follow us on social media. Follow me at The Real Evan Mack. Follow Ross at Ross Reed. How are you, sir? Fantastic. How are you? We were talking great in the pre-show, a little chat before we were talking about moving is probably the top three worst things that you could, uh, a life change type of thing, like going to the doctor, moving. Yeah. yeah. I, is like up there too. I put like road Adult trips shit. up there to see like family members you don't really want to see. Like, I, yeah, I'm not a big road trip person. Well, it depends on the road trip and how you break it up. I, I mean, I haven't done it with yeah. a kid yet. I can imagine that throws a wrench in it, too. My yeah. most recent road trip was driving to, to Cleveland uh, for like 24 hours for a wedding alone, which was not a fun, exciting drive, as you can imagine. No, that's um, that's a lot of a little Indiana, a lot of the Ohio Turnpike, and then... A lot of Gary, rolling, a lot of Hammond, and then, yeah, yeah. the Ohio Turnpike. <laughs> it's fucking Rolling weird. right into the mistake by the lake. It's exactly right. Correct. Which was not a bad time. Uh, yeah, discretion advised. We, we got that up. I like that. Thanks, Aldo. Uh, <laughs> say what the fuck we feel. We have a lot to get to on the show tonight. We're talking bears, of course, to lead off. I know Ross took to Twitter talking about uh, win-loss records and predictions and how it's it's uh, it's very upsetting for it, triggering, if you will, for some Bears fans. We've got OTAs going on right now. The schedule is revealed. We'll go all over that. NBA playoffs, the Eastern and Western Conference Finals are here. Heat and Celtics and Mavs and Warriors. Uh, Heat and Celtics played last night, game one, and then game one of Warriors-Mavs is going to be exciting tonight. We'll talk about the White Sox and Ozzie Gein and Tim Anderson feuding. We'll talk, of course, at length about the new Kendrick Lamar album, Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. And, ooh, Ross, you also talked about your top five TV shows. I'm excited to hear that at the end ooh, yeah. as well. And surprises along the way. Who knows? But to lead it off, Ross, yep. uh, let's go over what we talked about, what you briefly talked about on Twitter and, and some recent Bears news. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, so obviously schedule release came out last week, last Thursday. That's one day after we had our last show last week, so we couldn't really break it down. Um, but we now have all 17 games on the schedule, one bye week, which comes in uh, week 14. There's the beautiful schedule right there, starting off with week one uh, at home against San Francisco. And we'll be curious to see if we get Jimmy Garoppolo in that game, who is still on the roster for the 49ers recovering from a shoulder injury, or if they're ready to uh, hand over the reins to Trey Lance. I, I think a lot of people are saying that Trey Lance is going to be the guy. I'm not so quite sure about that. 
Um, but, you know, with the schedule release comes the immediate, you know, hot takes from everybody from, um, you know, professionals in the in the field who cover the sport to, uh, you know, just, you know, regular Joes and Schmoes on, on, on Twitter on what the record is going to be. And I always find it funny how, especially in, you know, late May, how people can have um, such uh, vitriol towards um, what schedule predictions are and can take such offense to it and get so upset. Um, and, you know, it just led me to believe, like, you know, why? Why do people get up so upset if the Bears are are predicted to win five games this year or six games? And I get it. It's, it's just good old-fashioned pride, and, and you want to fight for your football team that you love and root for. And a part of it is, is you know, a fan base trying to will this team to, to hopefully getting to better days and getting back into – uh, the playoff hunt, but you know, let's say a guy like Warren Sharp, who all he does is crunch numbers on on Twitter. Um, he is a, a strictly uh, analytical, numbers based guy, and if he runs his numbers and say that um, you know the Bears are a six point five you know win team, which is you know where also Vegas has them mostly slotted out for the year, I personally can't really fight with that in May. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, sure. most importantly, I don't know if it even makes sense for me to fight over it. You know, I, I think that's more of an issue that, you know, guys like Justin Fields and Blues Jones and Roquan Smith and Eddie Jackson, something like that. I, I want to see them get more pissed off about it than, um, you know, me or you or anybody else, just because they're the ones that have uh, an actual say so in how this goes and an impact in how this goes. Yeah. I, I, I never. I mean, every year we do this and we will definitely still make pre predictions, but th that's, it's a prediction. It's a guess. You know, I think that you look at the past schedules and they've been tougher too. Like we talked about the last week uh, mm -hmm. on the show, but man, like it, it's, it's such a crapshoot, especially when teams start four and oh, they could easily lose the next 12, 13 games. It's such a long season. There's so much to be said about injuries where we just we just can't predict uh, we can't at all i, I mean I, I don't understand why people got triggered by it in the first place they can be triggered about the matchups and you know that's a good segue into uh the schedule as it is right now i think opening up against the niners and packers is is a tough draw i think opening up hosting the the, the niners is pretty good i know you mentioned about trey lance not being the guy if jimmy garoppolo's starting you know he's he's got a history and he'll he'll probably show up pretty well to to play against the hometown Chicago Bears. And then, of course, you know, Sunday night football against the Packers. That's your first road game. I mean, good luck, man. So you're looking at maybe one and one uh, at worst to 0 and 2. I would be very surprised if we went 2 and 0 to start that. But I mean, you know, look and segue into the schedule. It's kind of what we expected here. I know we highlights certainly include that Bills later in the season, Christmas Eve game. There's you throw in. Monday night game against the Patriots will be fun and the Washington Commanders. Uh, but I'm excited for that the first couple games, certainly with 49ers and Packers and, and how that'll that'll shake out. But you know, we, like we talked about last week, it was a foregone conclusion that the Packers will be um, on week two Sunday night football for sure. Yeah, I will uh, I will be at that football game actually. I already booked my my Airbnb. I will be in enemy territory. I cannot pass up an opportunity. Uh, to do Bears Packers in Lambeau when it's not 15 uh, inches of snow on the ground and, and like negative two degrees. So 
I jumped on that one right away. Bears fans will hate you for that, Ross. Yeah, How could right? you? Boo. Boo, go in the summer. Come on. Absolutely. Um, you know, what sticks out to me on the schedule uh, release is, you know, only even game, and I think uh, I'm losing my ch- – I'm losing who's the other uh, primetime game. Was it Dallas? No, it was uh, Commanders it was Patriots. Patriots. Patriots, yep. excuse me, Monday mm-hmm. Night Football. Yes, um, one thing that jumps out to me just by looking at the schedule – is outside of Aaron Rodgers, the Bears, you know, do see a lot of, um, you know, young up-and-coming quarterbacks. Of course, Josh Allen is is young. He's not really up-and-coming anymore. They'll see him late in the season. He's he's a perennial all-pro, you know, player at this point. And, you know, Kirk Cousins is what it is. But, you know, you've got some guys on this on this team that, you know, are, are – I, I think that when you, when you look at the trajectory of what Justin Fields can do uh, this season – there are some guys where I I like how Justin Fields matches up against them. I even like how he matches up against week one against Trey Lance or uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, but then you look at guys like like Davis Jones on there, uh, or Davis Mills, excuse me, and then Daniel Jones on the list. Um, you get look at guys like, um, you know, Wentz is on there. Uh, you know, Lawrence is on there as well. You know, Jalen Hurts, I, I think, you know, uh, Justin should be a better quarterback than Jalen Hurts and Tua uh, Tungalova is on the list as well. Mac Jones on there. There are a lot of um, really, you know, sketchy subpar quarterbacks on this on this schedule, and I think that's where you have to hope that Justin Fields can take a step this year and outduel some of these guys that I think that he should be better than um, not only this season but going forward for years to come. Yeah, you bring up a good point about the young quarterbacks, and certainly week one is is winnable against the Niners because look what Justin Fields did last year, uh, you know, keeping them in the game mm-hmm. late with that incredible scramble, um, you know, and then the defense was just as bad as we've ever seen. But, yeah, I mean, with this kind of retooled defense, we'll be curious to see how they play against these young quarterbacks like Mac Jones and mm-hmm. Daniel Jones and, and Jerry Jones. Mm-hmm. Um and Tua Tungavailoa and all these guys. Uh, and I think it's it's certainly a softer schedule than the last few seasons, as I mentioned many times before. Mm-hmm. But, man, I think that, that Bill's game is is going to be good. You know, highlights, of course. You always look at the Cowboys, uh, the Falcons. You know, we've talked about how this would shake out, and it's not a bad first-half start. I think there are some winnable games for a team that's projected to – here we go with the projections mm-hmm. as projected to to lose you know 10 games at least something like that they look like a middle of the road team with a young developing quarterback like that right and you know you could add, you could tell me that the bears could win five or six games this year you could tell me they can win 10 or 11 games this year I, I think right now at this point it's just still so early to tell these guys are barely getting into otas right now and justin is learning you know luke gets uh luke gets his system and we're trying to see, you know, how the, the depth chart's going to shake out. There's been a lot of speculation today on Twitter. We don't even know who our starting right guard is right now. I, I think there's a lot to shake out still in terms of what this football team is going to look like going forward. So I don't really like to put a, a, a projection on things this early on. Um, we also have seen in the National Football League, you know, one or two games you know, uh, can go either way based on one or two plays. And so that's could be the difference between winning seven games this year or winning 10 or 11 games this year. Um, to me, what's important, you know, for me, and I think this is something that we've talked about, you know, for a couple of weeks now is 
I need to see Justin take a next step. And I, I need to see him kind of show flashes of being that guy that we feel like could be a franchise quarterback going forward. And quite frankly, to be honest with you, you know, outside of that, wins and losses don't really matter that much to me. Um, you know, you could take a look at jo- um, Josh Allen, who we will see this year at Soldier Field late in the season. You could take a look at Josh Allen's first and, and second, you know, two uh, years in the league. Um, Justin actually had better stats to him than in, than in the first year. Josh Allen, the second year here, um, had a very pedestrian offense around him, but he was able to take a step forward. That's very, has a lot of similarities to what Justin is going through this year. Um, and, you know, from there, Josh Allen was able to start going to the playoffs for, you know, two years in a row. And I think that's what we want to see is can we build this year uh, on this roster and most importantly on Justin Fields, keep him healthy, keep him upright and allow him to stay forward. And to be honest with you, I'm fine if that means that they win only six football games, if they stay competitive. But we but we come out of this saying that they've got the number one. Uh, we've got the best quarterback that we've had in a very, very long time going forward. Yeah, it's a very young team that is going to take some time to develop. It's not going to be overnight. Eleven and six, Nomad, put him on putting him on record for that. That is a blue sky as as you'll get, my friends. But yeah. uh, if they make the playoffs with Justin Fields in the second year mm-hmm. and this retool defense completely overhauled, that would be quite the turnaround. Yeah. But like Ross was touching on it, I think you know the guard play is going to be super important. How that line, I should say, line play. Um, you know, shakes out is super important. The defense with a lot invested in the backfield of that defense, it's going to be super important. And we're not seeing, you know, a ton from OTAs right now. It's not training camp quite yet, but you know, people are going nuts about the, the bears top picks as far as um, Tyler Gordon, Jaquan Brisker go. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, of course the field type is there. And I know a lot of people, you know, a lot of bears fans and critics alike would say, you know, take, take the pressure off of him. But I also feel like he he needs to thrive on that at this point. Yeah. And I, I completely hear what Jordan is saying. I, I know he said that, you know, PFF is saying that the Bears have a, a bottom-rate team in the league and they're, and they're going to be um, competing for the first pick in the draft. And I've seen a lot of publications say that. And to be honest with you, I say, cool, bring it on. Because, you know, it, it's it's just numbers at this point. It's just talk. It, it, it's, um, it's a lot of opinion. Um, it is a lot of um, predictions. Um, and to me, I hope that means that the bears are flying a lot under the radar this year, and they're going to be able to, to shock some teams. And that's, that's kind of what I hope is I hope that they're going to be the feisty young football team this year that, um, is going to be a force to reckon with for years to come. But, you know, we might see some glimpses of it this year. I hope that does piss those guys off in the locker room. I hope that, you know, you know, Valuse Jones, who, who was drafted in the third round and people are saying that that's a, that was too high of a pick and stuff like that. Or Kyler Gordon, who's saying that he shouldn't have been drafted there over a wide receiver. I hope those guys take that to heart and, 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 and bring it to the football field, I guess is my point is, um, you know, all of this between now up until training camp, it, it's all just a lot of, you know, fodder to fill radio shows and tweets and columns and stuff like that. But in terms of when the, the you know, when it's actually time to play football, I hope that those guys do take that to heart and show with a lot more fire and intensity than we've seen in the last couple of years for this football team. Bears are equipped to shock some people given the schedule, I think. And we, we do have tempered, uh, you know, hesitance, hesitancy about the Bears because we've just been set up for disappointment with new regimes before, I feel like. Uh, just look at Mark Trestman and Matt Nagy in just the past. That, you know, that is life as a Bears fan. It's, it's yeah. tough. 
from but, a, um, I was going to say from a gambling standpoint, the Bears are going to be favored in only three games this year so far. Oh yeah, can yeah. You win those I three mean, games. Uh, can I name the three games? Yeah. The schedule: the full, Lions twice. Back up. <laughs> Give me the Lions twice, and then the Giants. Um, so or it will Jets. be one of them in there. Yeah, they will be scheduled week three uh, at home against the Texans. You can guarantee that. Uh, they will be You're favored in that game. Okay, they'll be yeah. favored. Yep, they will be favored uh, against the um, against the Giants, and then they will be favored uh, against the uh, Jets as well. And put them favored against Lions. That's trash. Yeah. Lions will always be bottom of the field. You said Falcons. Were they in there? Oh, I'm sorry, Falcons. Yes, I said Jets, but it's the Falcons. You're right. Oh, the yeah. Falcons. Yes, yeah. they. A lot of people. I mean, tomato, this is, tomato. This is another. This is another. You know, hot button topic these days. A lot of people think that the Jets are will be a better football team than the Bears this year. You know, so we will. Right. That'll be very. That'll be a very interesting Week 12 matchup because those two quarterbacks are going to be uh, tied to the hip to each other. I think for a long time, more so than uh, Trevor Lawrence and, and Mac Jones and even Trey Lance. I, I think that. Um, you know, I, I think that the, the uh, Zach Wilson and Justin Fields are going to be, you know, kind of like this to each other as the two quarterbacks, you know, you know, because I think a lot of Jets fans who who might like, um, you know, the kid, they might just think that they might have wanted Justin Fields instead. I heard, I think it was an ESPN guy talking about how the Jets season will be over before the halfway point, which always? seems like a <laughs> foregone conclusion. Like that's that yeah. talk about betting. That's a safe bet there. Uh, before we get to like OTAs and just your impressions there, which which can't be too much for us, we gotta mm-hmm. just shout out Tariq Cohen again, man. The the news just keeps getting worse, and don't go sharing that video, don't go look at it. But he grieves different, man. It's uh he's been through some bullshit, and tearing his Achilles was just terrible to see. Uh, and yeah, just what else can you say about a young guy like that trying to make a comeback? It's um it was heartbreaking to see. I somebody put the video on my timeline right away and I, I immediately saw it. I immediately heard the the pop. You probably know as well. I, I empathize with that young man. I tore my Achilles about uh it was like seven, eight years ago. Um and I knew it was torn immediately because the way he fell was exactly how I fell. Um it's not a fun road to go it's down. It's, yeah. yeah, it's a long road. Um, you know, more concerning for him. It's on the same leg where he also tore his ACL and, and oh, had the issue with that. So it, it, it really will do a lot to his agility and stuff like that going forward. But just like we talked about last week, listen, Tariq is a tough-minded young man. Um, we wish him nothing but the best. Um, you know, it, we love him to death. I, I pray that he is in a good mental state right now with everything that is going on. And then I pray that he is able to get at least another opportunity going forward. Um, you know, probably he'll be about 26 years old when he's able to, to recover from this and uh, at least get to somebody's camp. Um, but for the moment, I don't want to really speculate about the future of his uh, NFL future or, you know, really you know dwell too much on that. I just hope that he's OK right now mentally because he is going through. So, so much coming off the heels of two brothers dying. He wrote the article. He got released by the Bears. Um, and now he has to go through this. And, and now the whole world saw it, too. It's so heartbreaking for him. Yeah, he just bared his soul uh, when in that piece on The Athletic and um, or the Players' Tribune, excuse me. And that was, yeah, just, I mean, adding insult to injury. Just unbelievable. Unbelievably bad. On the note of Achilles injuries, I was on a bachelor party last summer. 
and a guy tore his Achilles because we were doing a beer mile, like right away, just took off. We, and we knew he just crumpled. I was like, I'm, I'm in the heat with him. I'm like, should I, should I run? But he's like, go, go. <laughs> as <laughs> they all um, chugged a beer and then tore the Achilles as a, um, as a person. Yeah, oh yeah. As a person with a very strong health and fitness background, um, I can 100% tell you doing any kind of explosive figure physical activity with lots of alcohol in your system is usually a recipe for disaster. Oh, and, uh, and you are subject to a serious injury. <laughs> yeah. Yep. He had torn his Achilles before, too. That was oh. just, just gruesome, my friend. Are you following OTAs at all, Ross? Are you taking uh, it this, hike, this, this Kyler Gordon lighting it up? I am. The two OTA practices so far. I am. And that's not surprising to me. Listen, that, that young man, yeah. he's he has star potential. And I, I think a lot of people who did want, uh, let's say, let's throw a guy, a guy like Pickens out there, right? The, the wide receiver from Georgia who there's a weird uh, picture of him floating around on, on social media the last couple of days of him with a pot belly uh, and a mask on, like, like watching the draft. It was, it was very odd. Um, but I think Kyle is going to be a superstar in this league. And I, I think that him and Jalen Johnson are going to be two outstanding uh, corners for the bears for a long time. And I think a lot of people are going to eat their words about how the bears made a mistake with him. He's super athletic. He's got a, he just has a nose for the football. Uh, which is something that, you know, we really haven't seen from the corner spot um, probably since the likes of the old Tim Jennings and, and Charles Tillman days. Right. Um, so it's going to be really fun to see those two guys, you know, kind of develop together. You need it in, the, in that division. There's going to there's some outstanding wide receivers that are that are up and coming, um, you know, not on the Green Bay Packers necessarily, but because um, I think that Kyle is a better player than, than somebody like Christian Watkins, uh, Watson, excuse me. Um, but you know, if you want a guy like, you know, Jefferson out in Minnesota and stuff like that, or even, you know, against a team like Buffalo, where you have to see stuff on digs, I think he's going to really make an impact right away. It's fun to see, um, you know, Matt Everflus's impact on that side of the ball already. You're just seeing some of the players coming out and saying that the vibe is different, that the mentality is different. Everything is going faster and pat in practice. There's more intensity. And um, I, I think that that's going to be huge for this football team to gel right away. Um, we've been talking about it, but a big thing, you know, a big way you could help your young quarterback is um, play awesome defense, right? Keep teams out the end zone and give, the, give him a short field to work with. And if you are able to do those things for fields, that's one way that he's able to elevate his game going forward. Yeah, it's a good point. I, and the offense, it's interesting bringing that up, talking about Lucas Patrick said that his belief in an offensive coordinator, Luke Getz, is unshakable. Mm -hmm. And them both coming from the Packers, who obviously had a juggernaut in offense and an embarrassment of riches and Devontae Adams and and Aaron Jones and, of course, Aaron Rodgers. Mm -hmm. But, I uh, yeah, that's that's a big question is, is can they progress to that level where Justin Fields needs to be at to that Ohio State level almost where they recapture that where he has a ton of weapons around him and mm -hmm. and good play calling after all, because I feel like, again, it would have been a different season, certainly if Fields played the entire season, certainly if injuries didn't happen, things like that. But if you just give him a chance and the offense as a whole, you saw too many times with with Matt Nagy and whoever was you know, running the offense, but oftentimes Matt Nagy, that it just seemed dumb on third and one or third and and right. and short. It just various play calling that just didn't make any damn sense, like going for, or on fourth down when you didn't need to. You had a field goal opportunity, yeah. something like that. And you think that 
Luke Getzey will be that guy who is that OC who, who will bring out the best in Justin Fields and, and these talented young players around him. Yeah, you know, I think about, you know, last year with, with Matt Nagy and that offense, it just wasn't putting Fields or the rest of that team in the best position to succeed. And you're just doing that young man a disservice coming fresh out of college and into the NFL where the game is already moving so fast for him. And, you know, to me as a head coach or as just a leader in general, what are you doing to put people in the best position for them to succeed? And I think this year you're going to see, even from now, just, you know, from hearing Luke Getzey, He's preaching about getting the football out quickly. He's preaching about footwork, and they've changed the arm angle for Justin Fields to help him fumble less. These are all ways that you can help him um, be in a better position to succeed without even you know running plays or, or even start to connect with the with the wide receivers and stuff like that. So I think the Bears are going to run a um, you know a, a a hybrid West Coast system model. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of uh, of, of committing to the run. I think you're going to see a lot of play action. Justin Fields was one of the most explosive quarterbacks last year in terms of pushing the football downfield. I think the Bears are going to want to use that to his advantage as well as use his size, but still pocket awareness. Um, I liken it to a, um, a young Donovan McNabb in Philadelphia situation where um, I, I think that you know the Bears can have similar success with offense. And I think if you can use a guy like Jones, who they just drafted a big physical wide receiver that can probably catch the ball on a short yarder situation and extend plays uh, very similar to a young Terrell Owens, then, you know, you've really got something cooking there. So uh, I like what I see so far from Getsy. I think that, you know, I, I think he's going to put Justin in the best position to succeed, which is all we can ask for. And that's something to keep building on going forward. Ross, you throwing out some names there, Donovan McNabb, T.O. Absolutely. All right. Perhaps if you look at love. Justin, he looks a little McNabb-ish. I mean, he's about... I, yeah, I get that. I like that comp, too. 40, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, McNabb had a, Yeah, McNabb had yeah. a good mix. He knew, he knew he couldn't run his whole career either. I mean, exactly. he had to be able to. Exactly, um, which is exactly what I don't want Justin to do. It's just, just because you can run doesn't mean that we want you to do it. We always want you to... Uh, move around the pocket with the emphasis of still getting rid of the football and pushing it downfield, which I think is what somebody like Aaron Rodgers does not get enough credit for is Aaron, you know, has great eyes, great vision, great footwork in the pocket. And he'll be able to move around and extend the play, but he's not looking to run and, and take a necess unnecessary hit, right? He's looking to still push the football downfield and his receivers know that and they always find a way to come back to the football. And I, I think that's what, if, Ju if Justin can learn that trait and, and his receivers can get on the same page with him and they can start doing that, then that's when things start to really open up for this Bears offense. And that's, again, all comes full circle, playing back to the strengths of Justin Fields. Oh, for sure. And, and he's got speed for days. So you could design plays for him and he can take off if something breaks down. But you don't want to just rely on that, especially with the rib injuries he's had and just protecting the damn quarterback because mm -hmm. he goes down. So does the whole season. It looks That's like. right. That's right. NFL news. Otherwise, there's some uh, the schedule release came out and it was huge, of course. Mm -hmm. And there's some great games lined up like Mike McCarthy visiting Green Bay and Kansas City facing off against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. Of course, Russell Wilson hosting, um, excuse me, the Seahawks hosting Russell Wilson and his new team, the Broncos. Mm hmm. Chargers and, and Rams, of course. Ugh, why is why is Browns? My, oh, I get it. Browns, Dolphins here. 
Bengals and Patriots, some great games. The divisional, you know, looking at the divisional games, those are always the most exciting, too. You look at the AFC North and, and Bengals look like the team to beat there. But most exciting division has been that NFC West for the last several years. And now the departure of Russell Wilson is so interesting yeah. for Denver. There's there's a lot of hype around the AFC West now, too, and how that might be the best division in football. Absolutely. What do you think of the schedule release overall? Any any big uh, surprises or you know must watch games that I no, did I missed here? No big surprises. I, I think um, you know a, a big victory for me personally. Um, you know, Christmas falls on a Sunday this year. I'm a huge fan of the. They put like three games, I believe, on um, on Christmas Eve. I'm a huge huge fan of that. I, the the yeah. Saturday Christmas Eve slate is just awesome TV. Get the little eggnog going, get the Christmas ale going from Great Lakes, play a little Donny Hathaway, get some football games going, a little gambling, a little a little wrapping of the presents. That to me is – I'm completely all in. That sounds like my perfect Saturday during the holiday season coming up. Um, like you said, you hit on a lot of the other uh, great matchups as well. Um, it's going to be you know interesting to I, – I like the fact that the um, – the the Monday night football slate got beefed up because uh because they went out and they spent money on Joe Buck and Troy Aikman so they got the games better for for Monday night I think in the past couple of years Monday night football um has really out of the primetime games have probably been the most lackluster I, th- I even think the the Thursday night games have been more exciting than the Monday night games so um, I'm, yeah. I'm I'm glad that they were able to increase that you gotta put some Puerto Rican rum in that eggnog no man. <laughs> using the wrong shit my friend yeah (laughs) don't buy the jewel brand eggnog get get some 151 in that in that in that uh in that eggnog oh no but i guess i'll share with you guys my mother's my mother's coquito recipe as we get closer to the holiday season oh coquito uh ross you were talking about those those christmas eve games man they're a ton yeah there are a ton, and then yeah. three Christmas Day games. That is yeah, wild. absolutely. That's how you have to do it. To me, it's like you know Christmas well, Day. Yeah. I want to see the Christmas Day games, but I, like the NBA to me has got a big stranglehold on 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 Christmas Day as well. But you know, I you and I both have young kids. You know, as as you start to you know advance to that part of life, you know the Christmas Day is is really developed to a lot with the kids. But Christmas Eve, that's prime just uh, sports watching day right there, especially with it on a Saturday. I don't want to do anything that day. I don't want to leave the house. I just want to lay on my sofa all day and watch, you know, NFL action. And I think that's also a time of year where uh, college football has really slowed down. You've, you're on your, you know, 74th mayonnaise bowl or whatever the fuck they call this shit now, whatever bowl game comes on at that time. I want to watch some, some pro athletes play on a Saturday on Christmas Eve. That is awesome. Yeah. It's uh, some sometimes it's nice when the holidays fall on you know this this particular weekend it'll be uh, it'll be jam packed for sure. I you know it's funny you were mentioning how Troy Aikman and Joe Buck have have switched networks and that is so weird to see Joe Buck just being the face of ESPN now and soon we'll see Tom Brady and just kind of a changing of the guard and like Collinsworth getting out of there. Yeah, very interesting. And even uh, ESPN announced today, Dan Orlovsky will now be their number two guy. Um, I like that. That's yeah, good. absolutely. So, a lot of shakeup out there. Al Michaels is on um, Amazon Prime now. That's a big one, and he's got uh, oh, Kirk, yeah. he's got Kirk Herbstreet calling football games with him. So, Herbstreet is going to do double duty. He's still going to call the um, you know him and him and uh, and Kessler to me 
are probably the number one sports uh, booth in, in any sport right now. Like their Saturday night uh, college football games, those guys are awesome together. It's going to really be interesting to hear that dynamic with um, with now Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreet as he goes to uh, call NFL games. And then now, you know, uh, Tariko takes over full time for um, – for Al Michaels on NBC. So we'll get Maria Taylor hosting the, the pre-show and then Collinsworth and Tarico. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Good changes. I like it. I'm for it. Let's shift over to the NBA Ross mm-hmm. and Western and Eastern conference finals. Well, Western conference tipping off in just a little bit right after the show and Eastern conference tipped off last night, man. Yep. And heat Celtics starting things off with a bang. Heat's staying undefeated at home during the playoffs and playoff Jimmy is here mm-hmm. you know Jimmy asking all the Bulls fans are you happy for me and I say hell yeah brother hell yeah <laughs> he went off for 41 and 41 minutes the heat were down going into the half and it looked like the Celtics may steal one uh they were down Al Horford and Marcus Smart the offense went into the third the heat offense took control of the game and Jimmy just lived at the line he did a lot of the work himself he was getting steals. He was just reading the Celtics offense so well, defending Tatum well. He's just, mm-hmm. man, one of the hardest working guys out there. Of course, now you're seeing how people finally give Jimmy his due. I feel like forgetting that in the bubble, he went and did this earlier too. He has five 40-point games in the NBA playoffs and none during the regular season in the Heat uniform. I mean, the guy's just, yeah, I mean, you can't argue how hardworking this dude is, uh, getting the steals. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting transition basketball going and you know there were some big shoes to be filled by you know Kyle Lowry being out Gabe Vincent was really good and Tyler Hero he was every bit the sixth man of the year with his 18 points and taking good shots creating good shots for others too you could you know you heard the commentators talking about how he just changed the dynamic right away and don't count the Celtics out it's only one game but these two franchises are what it's all about it's it's cool to see the great leadership in the front office. You know, you got Pat Riley with the Heat, Brad Stevens with the Celtics, the coaching, the team chemistry. It looks tough with Miami, you know, having home court advantage. Celtics, again, need Orford and, and uh, Marcus Smart back badly. But it's anyone's guess when Lowry will come back, too. I think, you know, Jimmy can't. Jimmy, that's the thing. I, I mean, he went off for 40, but he can't do that every night. We saw that's how he ran out of gas going into, you know, the bubble finals, uh, you know, two uh, two years ago during the, the pandemic there. Sure wasn't, but, uh, sure wasn't Rachel Nichols. Oh, that's true. <laughs> hey, that's what they say with boxers, man. Tired legs. What are yeah. you doing? Women, women weak in legs. They do. And Rachel Nichols. <laughs> I mean, Rachel's. Yeah, come on. You're Jimmy hey, Butler. Come on, man. I'm, I'm the not bubble gonna, was tough, Ross. The bubble was tough on them all. <laughs> I'm not going to yuck somebody else's yum. It's You've been looking at Chippendale all day. Rachel Nichols is looking a lot better. I guess so. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, uh, what do you think about that series? I mean, listen, obviously, one game yeah. down. So what do they got to do? Absolutely. Listen, Jimmy Butler deserves a lot of credit for this. He is about 17 days apart from in, in age from James Harden, and they look like two completely different basketball players. And that's because J- Jimmy uh, takes care of himself physically. He keeps himself in peak physical condition, um, which I got to give him a lot of credit for. Um, and he is just a dog out there on the court, man. He, he, he's one of the best villains to me in the NBA, um, because he just doesn't give a shit. He plays with so much fire and passion and intensity. And he's going to let you know it. And he's going to, 
um, really trying to intimidate you. And that's just how he's been. That's how he's been his entire career since he came up from, you know, from the Texas area and went to Marquette and, and worked his way off the bench with the Bulls, you know, when he was buried on the bench because Tom Thibodeau wouldn't play him minutes. And, you know, now the guy is a perennial all-star and, you know, he's got his team as a championship contender. I think, I think it also speaks to um, um, a lot of credit has to go to Eric Spolstra. I think Eric Spolstra is one of the best coaches of all time in the NBA, and I don't think he gets enough credit for that. But look at the attitudes that that guy has had to deal with for his entire career, from Butler to LeBron to Wade and to Bosh and just all these guys that have gone through Miami. He's been able to hold it together. He's a great X's and O's coach. His teams always play with fat, uh, passion and, um, and physical intensity. And um, but like you said, this series is far from over. The Celtics were missing two of their best players. Al Horford was in uh, health and safety protocols. We hope that they, they, he can get back out on the court soon because he's a big um, he's a big part of what they do. They're missing their defensive player of the year in Marcus Smart, and they were really missing him yesterday because I don't think Jimmy Butler goes off for forty points if Marcus Smart is out on the court, and I don't think Tyler Hero goes off for all those points if Marcus Smart is on the court. So, you know, th there's a lot of series left here. This one, you know, certainly isn't over because of one game. Remember, Milwaukee won the first game of the last series against the Celtics, and we saw how that that ended up. So sure. um, I think it'll be really exciting uh, to see how this goes. I do think that these are two teams that are just going to be uh, extremely physical with each other. They're going to beat the crap out of each other for six or seven games. And that could play to an advantage to um, what I think is going to be a Western Conference that is probably going to end pretty quickly because I think the Warriors are going to um, are, are, are going to uh, dispose of the Mavericks pretty quickly here in this oh. series coming up. Yeah. Oh, all right. Well, we'll get to that in a moment. I, I think you you know you hit it on the head with Celtics Heat and well, I, I you know a big reason to not count the Celtics out is that they outscored the Heat in three of those quarters. It was just that third quarter where. You know, they they really let it go, I feel like, as in the Celtics. And Coach Spolstra is absolutely that dude. You, you figured he caught a lot of shit because he had LeBron on his team. He had the big three. But, man, these coaches just don't grow on trees. Like, there's a reason he's stuck around. There's a reason Pat Riley, who's a pretty fickle guy and who's a good basketball mind, has kept a guy who started as like a video coordinator yep. and the head coach for years like this. And I think the Celtics have every bit of a chance going in here. I think Smart comes back, obviously, at some point here. Mm -hmm. And Al Horford, that'll help because there's an answer for Bam then too. Because Bam is an – and I think Nomad was saying Jimmy doesn't have to go off for 41 points. He kind of does because look at the production otherwise here. I think you know Gabe Vincent had a decent game. But Jimmy's got to score thirty plus, and then the rest of the offense has got to be clicking there. And they're not going to call—they're not going to call the fouls like they did every game like that, too. I mean, it was very physical. There were some missed calls there, but there was a lot of good block shots, a lot of good defense, and then it just kind of turned on its head in that second half. Yeah, long series. Yeah, Miami is very offensive deficient, especially when Kyle Lowry is not on the court. Uh, that's just another piece of offense that they they don't they don't have, especially because they're not playing Duncan Robinson in the playoffs right now because he's an absolute turnstile on defense. So you know they've chosen to go defense first on the court. It's gotten them this far, but because of that, um, you know Jimmy Jimmy does have to you know kind of shoulder the load a little bit more. Um, you know I expect the Celtics to to come out in in game two. And um, they need to be they need to be able to finish games. They need to play, you know, uh, with more offensive intensity uh, all four quarters. And that's when you, you lean on the two young stars that they have. I think Jason Tatum is a top five player in the NBA right now. He's been playing like that all playoffs. 
Um, and then Jalen Brown just has to step it up. And you need like that third or fourth guy. Um, you know, sometimes it's Marcus Smart, sometimes it's Grant Williams, sometimes it's Al Horford. And that's why when you're yeah. missing two of the two of those guys on the court, you know, it's it's extremely difficult to to be able to match up with Miami's intensity. But there's a lot of basketball left in that series. Right. So, you know, Al Horford. Yeah. yeah. Sorry to cut you off. Yeah. Al Horford may be missed, but he's not your savior. Marcus Smart. Not your savior. Not Jalen Brown either. He's not your savior. You need to come together as a team and beat the Heat. And Ross, you're already just kicking the Mavericks out, huh? Golden State is that strong as as that series is going to tip off soon. You're not liking the narrative of of Cuban versus this Golden State team. You know, Steve Kerr versus Jason Kidd, Steph versus Luca, Boban versus Looney. Mm. What's a San Francisco treat versus Dallas? As what is Dallas? Dallas has, um, I don't know, kid, big exactly. Cowboy has big oil. <laughs> Everything's the TV, bigger. The TV show Dallas. Big old hats. The TV show Dallas. Who there shot Jr. Old House versus Dallas. <laughs> Who shot Jr. Debbie does Dallas. Debbie does Dallas. There you go. There's Fantastic. like 22 year old kids that just don't even get that reference. Oh, not at all. <laughs> I think our our target demographic here got got all those references though. Yes. <laughs> Everybody in the comments here. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Um, the reason why I'm writing off the Mavericks is because, you know, they they were able to get so this, you know, this far by playing small ball and just putting shooters all around Luca and letting him kind of cook, um, which works uh, amazingly until you get to the team that basically invented that, which is the Golden State Warriors. Uh, and the Golden State story, the Golden State Warriors, when they put their little lineup of death out there, and they go small, and, and Draymond is is basically they're big, but he can switch everything, and he kind of runs the whole show. And, and Steph is is moving off of motion, and Clay are cooking, and Jordan Poole now to add to the to the to the mix. I think you're just that's a lot of firepower for the Mavericks to try and cover, um, for Luca to try and cover by himself. I think Steve Kerr is a much better coach. Um, than what the Mavericks have seen so far in these playoffs. And I think Steve Kerr is going to have that team uh, ready to go. And I think the Warriors are hungry. I think that Steph Curry can smell another championship. And when you've got a all-time great player like him, he's got to be in your top time, top 10 all-time, excuse me. And if he can sniff out another ring, especially when a lot of people wrote them off, then those guys are going to go in straight killer mode and really try and put this away. I agree with you, Nomad. I don't know how long, you know, Luca can keep this up for. Um, it's sure. funny, he was, uh, they had a picture of him, him and Bobon sitting on a patio. Maybe it was today, maybe it was yesterday, but they're just sitting there drinking a beer and and, uh, and uh, he's just chilling, man. He, he's he's doing the European way, but those guys, those Warriors, they, they, they've got championship medal and they got championship heart. And I think that, um, you know, that's going to be a little too much for the Mavericks to overcome. Right. Yeah, that experience really comes in. I know that was something else to see the Mavs go and and beat Phoenix. You know, Luca going to Chris Paul and the rest of Phoenix. I love when you count me out and eventually beating them and, and him going off. It's it's a foregone conclusion that he's going to get like 30 plus. It's about the rest yeah. of that team overall. I think he's going to chuck up some shots, but he's going to have to go shot for shot with Steph for clay for, for these guys. And Draymond has, has really grown into that sort of assisting role as, as a, a big man who is just sharing the basketball and not shooting anymore. Again, yeah. sort of like trying to be like a Jason kid, the supporting cast just I mean, it, it just doesn't, pan out for me like you said I, I think you know this will be a lot shorter than the Celtics heat series 
because Dorian Finney-Smith, they're a nice young team. Like we're seeing this right. next wave come together here with, you know, I's sort of Celtics and Mavs coming up like this. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, I think the experience is that big difference maker. And Steph Curry, whether he believes it or not, really is a pretty good two-way player and, and a guy who, you know, it's got to go through Golden State, of course, too, and, and how well they will do at home. I mean, that's one of the toughest places to play in the league by far. You know who Steph Curry is not is he is not Chris Paul. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, Steph Curry is not going to crumble and, and, and fall apart like that. No um, speaking of Chris Paul, I, I'd be remiss if we didn't at least bring up the Pat Beverly uh, yeah. comments and antics from ESPN the other day. Listen, um, Patrick Beverly is a Chicago guy, and I, I typically um, do like what he says. Um, however, I do not think that active role players in the NBA can just go out and straight disrespect the guy who is still a first ballot Hall of Famer and, quite frankly, is still better than you at your craft right now. And um, so I know a lot of it was for show and for TV and for the antics that first take will will give you. But I kind of thought what a lot of Patrick Beverly did and and what he was said about about Chris Paul was was some personal bullshit. And I, I can't. I, I can't justify a guy that probably averages seven points a game for his career and has a one shit to just, you know, completely go ham on a, on a future hall of famer. I think it's bullshit. I, yeah. When you're matching up against the best in the league, dude, you've, I don't know where this kind of feud, I forget. I think it was Damien, Damien Lillard who said like, who hurt you? Why right. are you going after CP three like this? And all of a sudden <laughs> is pushing Chris Paul. <laughs> I mean, we know their feud goes back, and and Pat Beverly just talks. That's, that's what he does, and and yeah. then just all of the hate came to Patrick Beverly, like Danny Green going off, like he's a cone out there. He can't defend anybody. Goes right. off for five points because we left him alone over there. Exactly. Like the guy, he's just he's just there to get more viewers at this point, you know. I mean, JJ Redick can just shut him down, and the guys who actually, you know, have actual media experience, I feel like now, like Patrick Beverly knows basketball for sure, but you're but not. He's a- not He's not anywhere near Luca or, or Chris Paul's level. Oh, no, you're point. not even in the playoffs anymore. Go to like Europe and something or something. Yeah, go on a beach, bro. Like, yeah, just go relax. You should you be in play with LeBron's right with him. Yeah. <laughs> even Luca's still in the playoffs. He's sitting down. He's having a day beer right now. He's relaxing. Like he's he's still in the playoffs. Which, uh, by the way, just that whole European just persona. I I went to Madrid once years ago with my wife and. You just sit outside, you have a couple tapas, a little sausage, some potatoes. You have like one or two beers at two o'clock in the afternoon. You go back and take a siesta for an hour or two and you wake up and then you go to dinner. It, it That is the Europeans are doing it much better than what we're doing it here. No, for sure. That was Tony Kukoc, too. Like he yeah. would have a glass of wine on the regular. He's Absolutely. like, I'm taking it to the States Absolutely. here. It, yeah, it, it helps uh, calm you down. Absolutely. Uh, Ross, let's let's get to it already here. We have some time for what's trending and everything. And yep. I want to talk about lead in with the with the Kendrick Lamar album. Mm-hmm. And I, I love a first listen to an album. And it's it's also new and surprising. And at this point, you know, I've listened to it a few times. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers is what we're talking about. And, you know, first listen, it's it's interesting. Like the first thing I thought after going through it, it's it's a double disc. So it's split into two. So immediately, yep. I feel like what which half do I like more too, Correct. which is in, which is an interesting nugget there. But it's not 
it's not, and I didn't expect it to be, but it's not as commercial as, as damn where no. it just had a ton of radio play, but this is just this guy who clearly has been working on his own shit for f- several years. Now he brings all these surprises and melodies. We know he's, he's been influenced by jazz a lot. I, I love uh, to pimple butterfly. I think that's his best album. And, you know, the jazz influence to start, the storytelling, just the spoken word, the, the worldwide, the base of Worldwide Steppers, uh, N95, just the change up in beats is just, just kind of just vintage Kendrick at this point. He's got the R&B feeling, his features on vocals, you know, the presence of Keem and Kodak Black, he had good, good, uh, oh, look at that, I like it. Uh, we Cry Together, where it's the piano and the back and forth between Kendrick and, and Taylor Page, who's a young actor, the arguing couple, mm-hmm. is really nasty. Look at this. So this is N95 in the video. He also has some insane visuals. Like he is one of the best artists overall just for how he's able to direct videos like this. I hope there's other ones too. This might be the most sort of radio friendly uh, song on the album. Yeah. Yeah. And when I first, when I put the album on and and N95 is the second track on the album, if you're listening to it in order. And I immediately knew that this was a single potential for him. I, I think that, um, you hit it on the head. This this gave me a lot of To Pimple Butterfly vibes. Um, it was yeah. an outstanding album to me. I, I listened to it four times now, and it's something that I pick up on more and more. And I, I got it got better to me with each listen, um, sure. which is what you want a Kendrick album to be. And I listened to it in a variety of different ways. I listened to it in the car for the first time, running errands on Friday when it came out. Versus in my headphones, you know, one day later versus like in the house on some beautiful Sono speakers to really get the vibe. And um, it, it was awesome. You know, you, you hit some of the songs on the head, like We Cry Together. To me, Count Me Out was probably my favorite song on the album. Um, I, I love that. It's one that I keep going back to over and over again. He brought the best out of uh, Kodak Black, which I'm not even a big Kodak yeah. Black fan. Out of nowhere, yeah. And, and that was awesome. A lot of Baby Keem vibes on here. You know, those two are, are really close together. I love the song, Purple Hearts with, with Summer Walker and Ghostface. Um, but then there's a lot of very personal, emotional stuff that's real on here, especially in the latter parts of the album. And you could tell that this album was therapy for him, right? And, and he, yeah. he talks about going to a lot of dark places personally. He talks about kind of going off the grid the last couple of years and and he got a lot of his thoughts out on this project. And I can appreciate that as an artist, right? And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. He's not really a rapper. He's not a, a musician. This guy's an artist. This guy's a Pulitzer Prize winner. And so he's giving you art right now in the form of music. And, you know, one of my favorite parts about it is he drops the album. Not a big, you know, rollout. Not a big, a lot of pop and circumstance or hoopla. And then the guy's just in Ghana right now with his family, just relaxing and chilling. He's playing soccer with the kids on the street. He's not even thinking about like, you know, trying to like overly market this because he knows he's that dude. He's he's Kendrick Lamar. He's that good. He could drop a project that's you know, you know, almost a masterpiece. And then I'm just gonna go off the grid and just put some shorts on and no shoes and hang out with my family in Africa. And I'm like, that's just how it's supposed to be done. That's awesome. And in this in this era where everything has to be so commercialized and so i gotta i can't turn a tv on without seeing um like a tiktok song or something attached to a commercial or a product he goes the exact opposite of that and still finds a way to have the number one album in the country 
Ross, you should have a TikTok. Uh, and Ooh. yeah, the beats are the beats are crazy <laughs> as expected. You know, you talked about the influence of his own personal struggles, like yeah. Auntie Diaries and Father Time. Father Time was was really good. I mean, there's there's not like a bad song on the album, and it certainly all flows together. And it it's just very it's what I expected, kind of that mix between the last two projects. He did full albums with Damn and To Pimp a Butterfly, which are certified classics. And this is this is pretty up there. Which half do you like better? I like the second half better, personally. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's right. You're right, man. Yeah. I mean, how... Yeah, the, the, he's so good at ending albums, I feel like, too. And as much as I, you know, loved everything, like, I love Savior... Um, it, it's just it's very complete as a whole but yeah that second half could just stand alone by itself absolutely yeah all right ross yep top five tv shows you've teased this wait Ooh, real quick yeah. which side are you on amber heard or johnny depp <laughs> I, I i know nothing about what is going on with this i i, I all i heard is she's shitting on his side of the bed and then oh i just lost god. interest i'm like oh these two god. deserve each other they're nuts oh my god yeah, they do deserve each other yeah. Um, should we go five to one or one to five? Give me five to one. Let me. Yeah, I mean, if you're ranking that way, I could I could rattle off five in no particular order. Yeah, but my number five for me. Dramas? This is strictly dramas. I I don't do uh, sitcoms. My number one sitcom of all sure. time is Seinfeld. That I sure. I won't end of list. Yeah, that's Seinfeld for me is number one. I don't know if you. Put the sick the Simpsons in there. That's not necessarily a sitcom. I don't know if it's still PC to say that the Cosby Show was great <laughs> because it was. I even regardless of what he did, I I don't watch it anymore. But it's still awesome. Right. Um, but you know, there's a bunch of sitcoms. Full House was a classic for me, and, and stuff like that. Even like Family Ties and stuff. But this is strictly uh, dramas for me. Yeah. So my number five on my list is definitely Mad Men. Uh, AMC show. I have two AMC shows on my list. The spoiler alert. Um, but, oh, look at Ross. Okay, keep going. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what an outstanding show. Um, um, God, now I'm t- John Hamm plays Don Draper, and you know takes you through a a great historical journey. Um, but awesome the cast. show was so well written. Great cast. Um, you know, Elizabeth Moss has spawned off now to do a couple outstanding shows. You know, she's done Handmaid's Tale. She's got a new show on Apple now. She's done a, a great a bunch of movies. We know John Hamm has done a, has become a great movie star now as well. Um, you know, he, he's done like The Town. He's done a, a bunch of good stuff. But that it's to me, me too on the opening theme for for me. Yeah, what a great opening theme as well. Awesome, awesome show. If you never watch Mad Men, makes you want to just sit, drink whiskey and, uh, and smoke cigarettes until your lungs collapse and then climb a flight of stairs and then climb a flight of stairs. Well, I'll give you one of mine yeah. and it's four out of five are on HBO. And yeah. you know, I think, yeah, I guess the fifth on this list would be game of Thrones. That's my four. Yeah. I throw game of Thrones on there. I, mm-hmm. I what can you say about game of Thrones? I'm a, I'm a big sci-fi guy. I love the medieval shit. And there was, it was everything you wanted. There was good writing. There was great mm-hmm. characters. You could, you know, gripe all you want about how it went on a tangent and and uh, quite the quite the opening as well. This was mm-hmm. this gave, made me dizzy. I did not want to drink and watch this, <laughs> yeah. but but they uh, the good characters and and certainly I think you know it's the opposite of Mad Men where these these 
characters, these actors really became these characters and they're not going to do much else. I feel like, like we haven't seen Khaleesi. We haven't seen Jon Snow. We haven't yeah. seen any of them really going on um, off to do other things. But the last season, whether you like it or not, was epic as well. And there's so many just standalone episodes where you're like, this is an hour and a half where I'm just like on the edge of my seat. Yeah, I think I think it would have been best served going one more season to kind of wrap it up a little bit better. Um, I think what you realize with Game of Thrones is it was such an epic show with so many characters and it took you to so many different environments and, and worlds that for a show like that, it's really tough to just stick the landing and try and put a nice pretty bow on it. And, and regardless of what they did, you probably weren't going to be satisfied with the ending because you just constantly, constantly wanted more. But that is my number four for, sure. for me. Um you know, I can go to my number three. I'm going back to AMC. Um, it is uh, the original, the one that, you know, helped to produce Better Call Saul. But I'm going with Breaking Bad is my number three. Um, again, it's just a show, an, an epic show. Walter White is probably one of the five best TV characters of all time. Brian Cranston plays it outstanding. Great cast. Um, an epic, epic, you know, storyline that kept you riveting. One of the greatest endings. We just talked about Game of Thrones not ending that well and sticking to landing. I think, uh, you know, Game, uh, I think that absolutely was very satisfying towards the end. Um, I put it up there with another great show on my top 10 list, Six Feet Under, in terms of just awesome, awesome last episodes and seasons. Um, but Breaking Bad for me just has to be uh, up there for me. It's number three on my list. It, this is surprising to me because we've talked about this before, and I feel like Breaking Bad was not in your, your even I, top four for a while. I, what I've said is a lot of people consider Breaking Bad to be the number one show of all time. And that's when I say a lot of people overrate Breaking Bad because it's not number one. It's number three. And there are two better shows <laughs> coming up that are better than this. Number two is The Sopranos. Number two, The Sopranos started off the prestige, um, you know, hard, gritty TV drama that we see now. Before that, everything was so formulaic, very uh, Law and Order or um, or um, – or LA Law, you know, like just, you know, a lot of shows like that, Super Formulaic, ER is another one I can think of. And then The Sopranos comes out and Tony Soprano and you get a lot of violence and nudity and just gritty, gritty stuff. And, and it was at times very uncomfortable to watch because the characters and, and people were getting killed off. And a lot of the stuff that you see on TV today, even from the shows that I just mentioned, they got a lot of that from The Sopranos. And so I had to go with one of the OGs at the beginning. It's outstanding rewatch. If you haven't watched it in a long time, like because it, it has been out yeah, now. I rewatched it recently. It's, it's yeah. Uh, it is absolutely outstanding on a rewatch. Um, so yeah, Sopranos number number two, and my number one. Come on, man! I, I, we're going to Baltimore. The Wire is the best show of all time. Uh, David Simon is an absolute genius. He's got a new show out right now um, th that's on HBO right now that takes you back to the uh, police scene in The Wire. Um, but Never have I been so involved with a, a large amount of characters that I just wanted to root for, but they were so, so flawed. And I've never seen such riveting TV where I actually felt like I was in East and West Baltimore every single episode. And um, it was just absolutely riveting and captive, captivating from season one all the way to season, you know, to it finished up. Um you know, it, you know, Omar, as, as we lost Michael K. Williams last year, unfortunately, um, he is truly one of the most iconic TV characters of all time. Uh, extremely unique uh, as a as a, a, a gay thug in a Robin Hood like uh, atmosphere. But 
I implore anybody who's never watched The Wire before to uh, start it ASAP and, and enjoy it. I have now watched The Wire four times uh, as a rewatch, and I do it about every couple of years. And every single couple of years, I, I pick up uh, on more and more in something new. It gave us Michael B. Jordan, who's turned into a big star now. It gave us, oh, yeah. it gave us Idris Alba, who's also turned into a big star right now. Um, so The Wire to me is just, it, it's the best, it's the, it's the most well-written show of all time. And it's definitely my favorite. It's number one. I think important criteria for this list is how shows end and, uh, you know, Sopranos didn't end too well. The wire could have kept going, but it had to end in certain ways mm -hmm. uh, and how it did. The only show I'd kick out is, is Mad Men and I'd put true detective up there. True. So true season detective one. season two is, woof, is rough. Yeah. But yeah, I'm not going on season two. I'm just going straight up season one. That season set it one. off. Every other yeah. follower can, can just, they're just that you are, yeah. you're just mimicking the original. But going back to and and McConaughey and Woody Harrelson, I mean, come on, it was just so well shot, so well written, directed. Like I, don't, I feel like it's underrated as far as that list goes. Really good. Um, HBO just killing it, of course. And Better Call yeah. Saul, you know, to the Breaking Bad point, that's a fine show right now too. That's the best TV series we have right out there. But we wouldn't have it without Breaking Bad. Very satisfying ending. You had Walter White and Aaron Paul now pimping out their mess call, Absolutely. which uh, is not very good, but. Really great show. I mean, the Absolutely. top three is the top three. And I can't, you know, I think the number one show there, it's it's different for everybody. If it's The Wire, if it's Breaking Bad, or if it's mm -hmm. Sopranos. But one of those is it, man. You usually hear one of those three shows in a rotation for most people. You know, a couple, uh, you know, a couple honorable mentions for me. I shot it out Six Feet Under, which is an outstanding show. Um, you know, that, that was out at the same time during The Wire and also, um, you know, Sopranos. Um, and I'll shout out uh, Sons of Anarchy as well. I was a huge fan of Sons of Anarchy. Uh, I thought it was very different. It was a time where FX was really kind of being cutting edge and they had shows like The Shield and, uh, and Damages and, and Nip Talk and stuff like that. So, you know, shout out to uh, Sons of Anarchy. I didn't quite like the last season of that one, uh, so it doesn't make my top five, but I was still a huge fan. Over here with The Walking Dead. The Walking Dead is several seasons just too late for me. It has gone on so long, and I it get is. it based on the graphic novels, and now there's spinoffs and shit, but yeah, I agree with you. There's some Netflix series that can be up there. I mean, Ozark wasn't the best show of all time. It was a fine show. Yeah. I think Narcos is coming up there, though, with Narcos Mexico. Has been uh, I could have used, used another season of Mindhunter, quite honestly, but oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, another topic for another day, but David Fincher is my favorite director of all time, and, and David Fincher uh, is, is the brainchild behind Narcos, so I mean, by, behind, uh, excuse me, Mindhunter. So anything David Fincher touches is, is gold for me. You got that right. Well, we're out of show. Thanks to everybody for listening in. If you missed any of the show or any of our previous shows, you can catch them on the Barroom YouTube channel or on Spotify, iTunes, Podbean, wherever you get your podcast for the audio version. I'm at the Real Evan Mac on Twitter. Ross is at Ross Reed. He tweets a lot more than me. <laughs> get his opinions and his polls out there. Uh, everybody have a great week. Be good to each other. And science fiction is next Ooh, at nine central so time. Coming up very soon. <laughs> See y'all. <laughs>